Hello and welcome to Tops 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University in beautiful Lubbock. Tops 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics and government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, or the arts and humanities, and asks them to reveal their lives, ideas, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what pieces of music mean the most to them and to tell us the story behind the infatuation. Mr. Derek Ginter is our producer-engineer. I'm David Perlmutter, a professor at and dean of the college and the host of Tops 10. Today I have with me Robert Giovanetti. Now, Robert, you've been in, in West Texas how long? I've been here over 40 years, so it's been a, it's been a pretty good while. But do you find people still have trouble with Giovanetti? Oh, there's no doubt. And, you know, I, I still have family from New York where I'm from originally, and the name is pronounced Giovanetti is how it's supposed to be yeah. pronounced. But when you live in West Texas... You say Robert Giovanetti. And, and that's think, what I've always heard. Then they think it's Robert Joe. Or, oh, Bobby know. Joe. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Joe. So, so I'm just going to call you Bobby Joe. Sh- yeah, that's good. We, right. we West Texanized it a long time ago. All right. Bobby Joe <laughs> serves as the managing director of public media for Texas Tech University. As managing director, he's charged with overseeing all the university's public media outlets, including KTTZ Television and Radio, along with KNCH Radio in San Angelo. Giovanetti has been at Texas Tech for three years, previously as the Associate Vice Chancellor for Communications and Marketing for the system, and has more than 25 years in experience in electronic media. And you have have a much longer biography. You've done educational videos. You're probably most famous. I mean, your your work at public television is behind the scenes, but you're probably most famous as the voice of quite a few sports on campus. I hosted for several years uh, with Chris Lovell. We started a a radio show called Tech Talk, which started on Fox Talk 950 as just a one-hour program, and and it morphed into this longer two-hour program into an all-sports station. And so that that show was also televised. And so uh, most people really know me from that or from my affiliation with athletics in, in some sort. I still do call uh, some tech athletics, so people do know. You me do play that. by play. I do play by play on te- anything that tech televises. What itself. is the difference between play by play and color? Well, the color guy has to know all the facts and figures and everything else. The, the you, you just guy number thirty-seven <laughs> is up and he's swinging a wooden stick. At I'm just something, yeah, I'm right? just setting him up. I'm just okay. setting up. You know, and it's funny because now, so you've done baseball. I don't. I've done baseball on radio. But, but they will call you and say. The women's volleyball team needs an announcer, and you will go there, and you will do it. Yes, and last year that actually happened, and you're actually speaking from experiences that last year they wanted somebody to do all the tech television events that tech tele- that tech produces, and um, I was very interested, except one of the problems was there were four volleyball matches as part of that. Now, I, I enjoy volleyball as much as the next person, but I don't really know that much about it or didn't at the time, and so I, I, but to do it all – you had to. You couldn't just cherry pick and say, "Yeah, I'd just like to do these events." And and so I said, "Yes, I'll, I'll do the volleyball." Now it was interesting because Coach Don Flora, who's now a good friend of mine, at the time was uh, adamantly against it. And we had a meeting, and and he said, "No offense, Robert, but you don't know anything about volleyball. I want a guy that knows volleyball." Now, generally, the colored commentator will know volleyball. And I told him, I said, Coach, I'll study it. I'll, I'll watch some broadcasts. And I said, and what I've seen already is there's people like me doing it. And then you, ha- you have somebody that, that can pitch to and, and talk about the sport. And so he said, okay, I guess I'll give it a shot. And so we did it last year and did four, and, I, and I'm doing it again this year. And he actually emailed me and every, a lot of other people at the end of the year and said, hey, I was wrong. Uh, that The geo, which uh, he calls me, a lot of people call me that, uh, d- did a good job. And, and so I try and I try to impart that. I, I teach a class here, too, on my student, to my students is that when you prepare, that's a big part of 
being successful. Do your homework. Yes, and just <laughs> now when you're doing now when you're doing your homework, and the only person who's going to find out that you didn't do your homework is your mom and your teacher. That's one level of failure. <laughs> yes, but then when it's you're embarrassing yourself in front of, and and the important thing is the people who are actually listening to you for a sport are the cognoscenti. Are yes, the people who actually care about. You're the not sport. going to fool those so, people. So so no. the, the the volleyball fans are going to go. Who is this idiot? They've got there. And you, you may be a brilliant person every part of your life. <laughs> right. But if you're stumbling and like, uh, she hit the ball over the, what can we call it? You know? <laughs> yes. That terminology is huge. And just yeah. not even just the regular terminology, but just the way you might describe something. And, you know, Coach Flora has been really good with me about it. don't say this or say that. Because if you say this, people will know you don't know what you're talking about. So it's just an interesting uh, d- development. As what was you look the most surprising things? term? Because, I mean, again, you know, volleyball, we think every sport is simple until you actually have to call play by play right so <laughs> well you, you know and i really don't think i can't think of anything to me the most surprising thing about the net vo- is called a lags grab right is that correct or? is the first i've heard that no, no I'm, just, I'm making that oh, okay up. well but good i'm gonna see that's the thing is you make stuff up people think you're an expert you know you know and you can do that more in radio uh, you know television they're seeing it yeah. you know radio when you're calling play by play uh, you can get away with a little bit more because they're just you're their eyes uh, for them but on television and television is actually probably a little easier because you don't have to call every little thing. You can let the tell the story picture tell the story. And I've always been told too in radio, the play-by-play guy is the guy. He runs the show. It's it's his, it's his show. In in television, it's a little more color commentator. Gets obviously gets a little more airtime in that in that situation. Well, the very first conversation you and I had was about sound, and uh, you're you're somebody who has been 40 years, a long time, listening very carefully, and you realize that in the world of professional media, a mistake that allows three seconds of silence or a stumble is magnified because people are listening to every little little detail. So do, do you find that that is something that you've always been interested in? I mean, when you were growing up, I used my, really my first question I asked people is that, was there sound in your life besides listening to people talk? Was there music? Was What was the origins of, of close listening? You know, I think part of it is I'm a big family. And you so know, we're talking about a northeastern Italian North big family, right? Here. And not only my family. I'm Sunday the, lunch. I'm the yes. I'm with the young, all the uncles. I'm the youngest of six. Yes. And then my dad has a big family, and so lots of cousins, and very demonstrative uh, grandmother and grandfather on both sides. And so now, you, but they were were they? Uh, how long had they been in the United States? Uh, my my grandmother was actually born here, but my grandfather yeah. had come over uh, on the boat and you know yeah. to Ellis Island, and so he he spoke in broken English a little bit. And I know in, in their family growing up, they spoke Italian only. In now, now the stereotype, up. and I grew up in the Northeast too, but of Italians is very musical, like singing, like singing while they're cooking, uh, you know, Caruso records playing. <laughs> you know, all and it's, day. it's funny you say that because I do remember my grandmother on my on my father's side, Nona is what we called her. It was very she loved to cook, so her whenever we would go over, her kitchen was always busy and she was cooking something. And uh, a lot of my memories of New York are of just big meals you have, at holidays, but she always had loud music playing. You'd be four hundred pounds if you were still. There is no doubt that I would be. I would. <laughs> I would weigh a lot. Texas I, saved you. Yes, it yeah. really did. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but I would be. I would have to two seats on the airplane if it weren't for West mm-hmm. Texas. So mm-hmm. anyway, you you do think of that, and you don't, and you have to wait for your chance to talk because there's so many people that talk and so demonstrative and 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 so many things, and so uh, it's interesting you said that because uh, I do like to fancy myself as a good listener, be able to pick things up and kind of intuitive on, on different things. And I think a lot of that came from just being uh, the youngest of six and kind of learning your place and learning your role. So music, 
your parents played music. Yeah, you know, I do remember. I remember player yeah, on a record player, and the, and the funny, I, I kind of rem- I remember a couple of albums uh, that that stick out, but the one that sticks out maybe because I was a young kid at the time was uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, the uh, Whipped Cream and Other Delights for Herb Albert and the, and the Tijuana Brass. And I remember Sunday afternoon we'd come back traditional from traditional Italian wedding. <laughs> yes, we'd go, well we'd come back from well, church. We, we, you know, I want to share this, and I'm, I'm sure. Did you get married in back no, home? No, okay. I didn't. Yeah, but did you did you have a lot of your Italian relatives? Did they do the envelope thing? I actually eloped for my. Oh, you eloped. Yes. Okay. How about that? So, I mean, I was going to say, you know, I'm half Greek. Yes. Oh, yes. There's... I had not been for some reason many years in a Greek wedding, and a lot of my Greek relatives came, and they started handing my wife envelopes, and my wife, my Western Protestant wife, <laughs> I was, was going, What's shocked. This? What is this? And I had completely forgotten, and mm-hmm. nobody told me like you should bring a little silk purse and things like things like that. And I told her it could be worse. You know, in in Cyprus, they they take uh, pins and pin the envelopes on the bride's dress so that she's covered with envelopes, you know. So <laughs> yeah, tell your sounds... wife if you ever want to renew your vows. I was going to say, maybe then, we'll do that next know, week. It yeah. just gets... <laughs> okay, we'll do a double renewal. <laughs> yes, we'll, do, right. we'll go back up north yeah. and do it in, uh, right. in New York. That'd be That's good. Right. Now, uh, one of the songs that you listed is, shockingly, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant by Billy Joel. Yes. I have to start out with that because I remember listening to that. I was a teenager, and Billy Joel was like the... the really came along at a time where there was a lot of... Um, Super album, right. uh, super group, you know, sort of industrial rock, and he sort of re- rediscovered the sort of, I guess it actually, you know, playing a piano in an Italian restaurant, you know, the the club music, mm-hmm. uh, but not rave club, as it like you know, thoughtful uh, individual performer music. Uh, how how fo- how much did scenes from an Italian restaurant resonate with your life? I think a, a lot, and it's funny, it, the, now, now more than when it actually came out, when the song actually came out and the album came out, and I remember having that album, and I was a huge Billy Joel fan, and you know, there's a lot of songs from Billy Joel I could probably pick to, to put on, the, on this list, but uh, th- that song kind of reminds me of, I had a really tight-knit group of friends from school, and we did a lot together. And, you know, and I had kind of lost track of that song. And then it's funny, the great thing I think about what's happened with uh, today's technology is that you kind of catch up on some old music that, that you don't, that you thought, oh, hey, I'd forgotten about that. And this is one of those songs that when I played it, and I, whatever, a year ago, that that, that kind of reentered my life. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of that group of guys growing up and kind of catching up and and uh, and learning about each other's lives and those things. And, and so there's some things in that song, including about, hey, you really can't go back again. And you can't do some of the things you did uh, uh, growing up. It's funny. I just recently saw a guy that uh, in high school, uh, he and I were, were basically inseparable. And uh, he, he'd moved on and he came back for a, a funeral this week or last week. And, and we mentioned the fact that, you know, how do you lose track with each other? You know, it's one of those things that in high school we – didn't go a day well, this without. This is pre-Facebook. Yes, you know, right, exactly so, right. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, it's funny. It's one of those things yeah. you do kind of reconnect with those people through Facebook. But uh, some of those people you, you kind of lose, they stumble out of your life and they never come back. But that's what that song kind of means to me. And, and, you, and you use a great word, I think, for Billy Joel. And that's thoughtful. You know, he, he has kind of those thoughtful lyrics if you really listen to him. And, and that song really uh, kind of, re- I still listen to that song nearly every day now. It's just a, a song that really kind of resonates with me. A bottle of white, a bottle of red. Perhaps a bottle of rosé instead Get a table near the street In our old familiar place You and I face to face mm-hmm. A bottle of red A bottle of white 
It all depends upon your appetite I'll meet you anytime you want In our Italian restaurant There's a theme to your pudding of your playlist. Actually, I believe it is that almost every song that you've picked, and you, the audience can judge here, are songs where you can actually hear the lyrics. Right. And I was thinking so many people, and I grew up in the you know 70s and 80s, and so a lot of songs, you know, I was talking to Carol Edwards about Sweet Home Alabama, uh-huh. Carol Edwards, Dean of Performing Arts, right. who was a previous guest here. And I talked about how at that time, you know, you had to go physically to a store and buy a lyric, a music sheet, to read the lyrics, so a lot of most most fans didn't do that. So there were there were songs that for thirty years I didn't understand what they were mm-hmm. saying. Sweet Home Alabama, I just was like five years ago. I finally, ah, I think I'll take a look at what the, what what are they, and it was like half the stuff I I had misheard. Well, now I'm gonna have know. to go listen to that, that to see what that right. means. You know, it's actually an attack on Italians. I I didn't understand that. <laughs> okay. but, no, I'm just kidding. But but um, all of your Billy Joel was ca- carefully pronounced. You know, I'm, I, I I I can recite entire sections because you could actually hear what he was saying exactly what he meant. no doubt yeah and, and it's interesting because i'm not a musician i love music i love writing and so i'm kind of a frustrated writer i would love to uh, uh to be a i'd love to write for a living if, if you could if you, that could ever happen but i think when i look at it i so i, I tend to lean towards music and musicians where the artists write their own lyrics where they write their music because I feel there is – and again, that's a good word you've used, and so I'll use that throughout uh, – some thoughtfulness uh, to to what you go through. And so I think um, w- when you listen to a lot of the songs that I really like, they are uh, pretty much lyrically based because I like to be able to listen to the lyrics and, and interpret them. And I, and I think it's kind of like art. You know, I might interpret the song a little different than the songwriter interpreted it. Sometimes I'll read. I'll try to read. I love the uh, the show um, where they where the guys go on on the, the show and talk about the I can't think of the name of it now where they talk about the the songs they wrote and the reason behind writing it. And, and so I find it interesting because I, I kind of look back on my life. I'm a tr- I tremendously introspective about my own life, so I like to look back on things and and I'll rehash decisions I made and stuff. And sometimes music can, can help you through that. I think. Now, growing up, it was Italian music that your family was playing at home. You're it was kind of a wide range, you know. It wasn't did necessarily. They, did they adopt sort of uh, 50, 60s? Yeah, uh, it was more of that. You know, you, a lot of Frank Sinatra, 
Yeah. Yeah. And that kind so of a crossover. Yes. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt. I don't remember yeah. it. And not like a lot of opera or anything. Was there a picture of Frank Sinatra? I mean, you know, they say in Irish homes at that time, there was a picture of John F. Kennedy. And in Italian homes, there was a picture of Frank Sinatra and the Pope. Uh, you know, we did have and, a picture of the Pope. A lot of kids growing up didn't, we weren't exactly clear which one was the Pope and which one was Frank Sinatra. <laughs> well, I think they you could know. be interchangeable yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I never, I don't remember a picture of Sinatra. I do remember some of his albums. I do remember a picture of the Pope. And interestingly enough, because I do have some Irish heritage, um, we all had a uh, bank uh, in the shape of John F. Kennedy. So all of oh. the kids had a little John F. Kennedy penny, you know, ben, penny bank that you. Yes, yeah. had his like That's a bust. How respectful that. <laughs> yes, a bust of yeah. a bust of John F. Kennedy, yeah, and so we used that for a money bank. Now your next song is one that we've heard before in this show, and and, and has a Lubbock connection, at least I, at least we think it does, is American Pie by right. Don McLean. Again, a very lyric driven song a famous musical refrain but absolutely you can hear the words now under interpreting the words and what their 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 meaning yes, is another one is another another question american pie by don mclean a long long time ago i can still remember how that music used to make me smile and i knew if i had my chance that I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I'd deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride But something touched me deep inside the day The music died So bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing, this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die Did you write the book of love and do day that I die, this will be the day that I die. 
yeah, one of the things that, that I like about that song, I kind of remember it being the very first song that I kind of remember ever connecting with in the, in the 70s. And, that, and so it was interesting to me from that standpoint of listening to it. And, and I listened to it a lot, bought the, bought the 45 and, and listened to it and played it over and over again. would call the radio station and say, hey, could you play American Pie? They'd always say, hey, kid, it's too long. You know, we could play, you know, they had a shortened version, then they had a long version. Then it kind of came back into my life. And a couple of these songs are, are about my daughter. When my daughter was kind of growing up in, in early on in her, her life, she had a hard time staying in bed. She'd want to get up and get out of bed. And so I would go sit on her bed and I would sing her American Pie because it was one of the few songs that I thought I can sing from start to finish, know all the lyrics. And so I would sing that song to her when, until she fell asleep. And so then she got to eventually where she would lay there and she would say, hey, Dad, can you sing me American Pie? And so I, I would I'd sing that song. And so she still hears it on occasion and she knows the words and she picks up the words. And, and so it's got kind of a dual meaning How old for was me. she? She was, you know, she was less than five, so she was just See, a... They accepted it that age. <laughs> yes. I could never get away with that now. Yeah. Now your daughter now would probably not want you to drop by her workplace. And, no. Uh, well, she's 15. And okay, so, yeah, sorry, uh, so, sorry. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> or her school. Yeah. But, you know, when I was taking her home from school the other day, I was singing a song that's not on my list, Renegade by Styx, that was uh, was playing on. I was listening to 70s on 7 on the on the uh, radio. And uh, so I was listening to that, and I was singing it, and she uh, Snapchatted it, which I'm not really familiar with, but, you know, that's a social media oh, wow. thing that they – she took and cool. sent it to my friends to make fun of me, you know, so that, you're right. So <laughs> See how far we fall. <laughs> we it's have just, fallen. A, 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 five a, is really the perfect <laughs> age. They look at you, and you, you're the center of everything in the universe. Yes. And then, please sing American Pie. Now, if I went back there now, she would say, well, could you please leave? But it, it is, it's got a great memories for me. There's no doubt. ELO, Mr. Blue Sky. That's, a, that's another one that's, that's family-oriented. Um, when we used to drive around in the car together, our family and my wife, we only have the one daughter. So we always tell people that when we come to some of her events, she's our only one. So we, we're going to come to a lot of her things. And so we, we went on a road trip once and played that song and she just loved it. And again, she was younger. And so we all sang it and it's kind of a fun little tune. And we sang and kind of got along and singing it. And so she still, it's interesting to this day, she'll say, that's our family song. Mr. Blue Sky, that's, what's your, she'll ask somebody, what's your family song? Mr. Blue Sky is our family song. And so I, th- I thought I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't put that on there. Again, th- these aren't necessarily my 10 favorite songs, but they're the songs that they kind of have some meaning to me. And, and so every time I hear that song, even now, it makes me think of my family and my daughter and, and kind of good times.
When you were growing up in the Northeast, had you ever visualized West Texas besides a, a John Wayne movie? Or, no. Or, yeah. and, and it's interesting. I, I remember distinctly when my parents told me that we were moving. And, and now, what, what was the reason? My dad worked for a company called Gould's Pumps, which is out on Clovis Highway. Oh. And uh, their headquarters was back where we, we were uh, growing up in Seneca Falls, New York, which is by Syracuse. And Seneca Falls, the birthplace of women's rights, and also the, the so. bridge there used for uh, It's Wonderful Life. That's the uh, uh, the inspiration for It's Wonderful Life. But so they knew at the time, even at the time, I was a bit of a sports fan. So they kind of had my brother set me up a little bit and say, wouldn't it be great to you know, live in a state where you know, go see the Dallas Cowboys? And the you know, they start telling all these great stor- sports stories about about Texas. And I was like, yeah, Texas sounds like a great place. Texas, yeah, Texas. And then the next day at dinner, they told everybody, hey, we're packing up the, the car and, and moving to Texas, which we did. Packed in a, into a station wagon, all six of us with the parents, and uh, and moved down here. And it was a tremendous uh, shock because you're Catholic, you're Italian, and uh, 70s Lubbock, Texas is not necessarily a, a lot of w- what I would say. Um, you know, it was just a different time, obviously. Lubbock well, was not welcoming Catholics at <laughs> yeah, that time. Yeah, there, yes. I've heard a story from a a Jewish professor here who who came to Tech in the 60s, and he was interviewed, and he, he noticed that, that the person interviewing him, a dean, was writing down notes, and one of them was of the Jewish faith. And, and the professor said, you know, I just have to ask, you know, I am Jewish, but, you know, is that going to be a problem? He said, oh, no, I was just reassuring everybody you weren't Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I remember that, and I remember people telling my mother, for example, you know, we don't have a lot of Catholics in this neighborhood, and we don't have, you know, that type of situation. So it was, and I've been back to, to New York since then, um, obviously, and it's very close-knit and very ethnic and of course, everyone in our hometown basically is probably 80% Catholic and 80% Italian, and so the, it's it was a complete culture shock for our family. How old were you at that time? I was eight, and um, that that's a tough transition. And you, when it, it was tough for, for for my yes in the schoolyard for my brothers and sisters. I had a you know a sister who was in high school, and and on on down to us, we were stair stepped, and I was the youngest. But uh, I remember every weekend, my mother hated it so much that we would drive to the airport. And we would just, you could at that time sit at the end of the runway on the, there's a road by there. And we watched a plane take off. You know, there'd be a couple of planes take off that afternoon. And I think she was just thinking, how can we get on one of those and, and go back, back home? But eventually, it, it uh, clearly it became home. It was just a kind of a slow process. And even so much so, my dad had moved uh, around uh, several times since then. And, but he, he actually chose this place to come back and retire. It's completely different now than it, than it was then. It was in the aftermath of the tornado back then when we moved here. It was a changing time in, in the city. And, uh, you know, I went to a small Catholic school here. And, uh, and the great thing about that is is made you know, lots of great friends from that. And, and eventually it became home. The Four Seasons can't take my eyes off of you. And, and that's another, that's kind of a, well, of course, obviously, we. the Four Seasons was a, a group that we heard a lot in our, our family growing up. And Again, the emphasis on words. 
Yes, and uh, and a great, very lyrical. And I think a lot of the Four Seasons stuff, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, a lot of their uh, their music. It, does speak to you in a way. And that was a song, too, that was uh, early inspiration for me and my wife in that when one of our first dates, we heard that song. And uh, and again, my family's obviously big into, hey, these are our songs. And so that's just a song that kind of my wife and I uh, think of, of each other on that. And we've been married a long time. And uh, she's been tremendous. I've made a lot of risky career choices and uh, giving up good jobs with good pay for to take a risk on something and she's been completely supportive through all that so that song means a lot to me for uh, for the fact of how much my wife has been kind of there for me throughout throughout my career you're just too good to be true can't take my eyes off of you you'd be like heaven to touch i want to Fleetwood Mac. Now, there's somebody from our generation. Uh, in fact, uh, we just had uh, Dave Walker uh-huh. in the previous episode, and he, uh, of course, owner of radio stations and uh, quite an innovator in formats. Yes, uh, helping co-invent the the outlaw country uh, format. He is an innovator. There's no doubt. Yeah. And we were talking about Fleetwood Mac being one of those groups that had incredible success, but their success almost masked that they were they were very talented musicians, mm-hmm. no doubt, in writing, in performing, in guitar, in singing. Yeah, I think a, a band. I think that sometimes doesn't get maybe enough credit for that for some of the if you you know when i've watched a few documentaries about them read a little bit about them and, and obviously they the story can sometimes be just the inner turmoil that they had as a band and you know the relationship problems and and, and clearly sometimes that that outside sources can can affect that uh, but i think most of the stuff i can i can listen to almost anything by fleetwood mac and be affected positively in some way I, i'm really a huge fan of their music and and again their writing and a lot a lot of their songs again you can really sit and listen to and they mean something to you, and I, and I think there's something to be said for that. You know, Landslide is a song, too, that uh, just my group, are uh, we've, we've heard for a long time just because we have a, a good friend who, who plays music, and that's a song that 
that he plays a lot. And, and I think it, as we get older, and to me, it kind of has come back to my life because of just what's happened. We've had some deaths recently of some longtime family friends and things. And, and the words about that is, that, you know, that your life changes and your kids grow up and life goes on. And so uh, that, that song, I think, really is uh, when you listen to it, especially as you get older, I think it really becomes even more pertinent. I took my love and took it down I climbed a mountain and I turned around And I saw my reflection in snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my Certainly true nowadays, where it seems like every movie, the publicity is larger than the film itself. Right, there's and, no doubt. Just this big splash of a publicity campaign. The trailers, a lot of talent going into making a trailer, and then you go there and you sort of you go like, "Well, I could have just watched the trailer because <laughs> there really was only about two minutes of content stretched out over two hours." I do, I do think it's interesting that the whole industry of making movie trailers. And now you can find a television channel just completely devoted to that, just watching trailers. And uh, you're right. Sometimes, especially sometimes in comedies, I'll be thinking, I, I think every funny line they gleaned and they put in the trailer and then everything else was left behind and gave away every plot point yes yeah now, now, i knew this was music happen. i guess music is different you know in the sense that most songs i mean the average song is what two to three minutes mm -hmm. long and there certainly are some very famous longer songs you know the inagata the vita nobody's <laughs> ever picked that as their favorite uh, song yet <laughs> i almost the, picked the, uh, bohemian rhapsody oh there, queen. There that's another go. good yeah, yeah. yeah and i i remember songs that had a great little lyric you know or a great refrain that made it a hit. You know? right. But that was it. It was just, you know, Baby I Love You, and it was done really well, and sure. it was a hit, but boy, Baby I Love You was about it. There was nothing else of any depth or any interest there. But then a lot of the songs you're picking are ones that have a lyrical and rhythmic and musical complexity that allows us to listen to them more than once over the years, right? I think the things, because you know sometimes you'll hear a song, a new song or something, and you really like it, and then you kind of get tired of it. And uh, I think that, a lot, you know, as I was looking at this list, I thought, well, a lot of these songs are, are, are fairly old and, you know, nothing new has really come back. And I, I do think a lot of these, may, they might not make somebody's 10 greatest songs of all time list, but I do, I do think they kind of stand the test of time. You know, you can watch that even with a television show sometimes. Some old shows kind of stand the test of time. Some you look at them now and say... 
wow, just really dated and, and maybe good at the at the time, but not something that 20 years later, 30 years later would would be uh, uh, something that that you could watch. And unless you just want to kind of reminisce about the good old days and watch it. Yeah. So when you're listening to a song, how much attention do you pay to the choices of of exact words? Do you ever play with rhymes? And I mean, you said you're not a musician yourself, but right. but I think you you obviously are are a critic of sound right. and of music and choices. What is your engagement level? Are you, or? It depends on what I'm listening to. Sometimes I will listen to something and say, you know, that phrase almost seems like a throwaway, almost like they were, you know, they just said, hey, we got to find something that rhymes with Perlmutter. So let's let's put it in there. Good luck on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's not too many Perlmutter love songs. No. You know, yeah. Just, you know, there may be a market for that if you can I'm get something I'm going to go. beat you in the gutter. <laughs> My love, Pearl. My, you know, just that's yes. all I can think of right now. I, you know? I, but I do listen to that from from a standpoint of one of my favorite songwriters. And I've only got one of his songs on there is Sting, just because you know. And I, and I'd actually read once where you know he's a, a former English teacher, and he said that he likes to make the listener go to the dictionary at least once per song. You know, just to throw something in there. They go, gosh, I got to look that up to see what the, what the heck does that mean. And that's you not are my anti-establishmentarianism. <laughs> so he's yeah. not necessarily. Uh, I don't necessarily like it for that reason, but I, I do like people that put a little thought and complexity into their lyrics. I, I, I have arguments all the time with my young daughter about, she'll say, Taylor Swift is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And, you know, she may so and, you know, there may be something to that because she's speaking to, to an audience, but I think if you listen to those, maybe not is the kind of lyrics maybe that speak to me, but they may speak to who she's trying to, to appeal to. Your next song actually is Message in a Bottle by the Police. Let, let's hear that. I guess I'm not a big Taylor Swift listener. <laughs> right. Well, I've heard, well I've, I've heard more than I probably care to admit, uh, uh, admit to. Do you think it with the, it's that we miss 
that somebody, I mean, we're not cranky old people just going to these songs today. I mean, I, I think objectively you could say, you know, I think anyone listening to Frank Sinatra songs can go, wow, the production values on those songs. And I've heard, you know, Sinatra was just, unlike Dean Martin has not aged well right. as a singer. And a lot of people talk about the fact that Dean Martin, you know, would, uh, cared, but he didn't put in the same effort and get the same talent producing that that Frank Sinatra did. And that's one of the reasons Sinatra songs are just flawless, absolutely flawless to this day. Do you get a sense that that's less important now? Yeah, yes, completely. I, I think when, and, and I don't know enough about modern music to know, is there somebody out there? Is there a new band that's like a Fleetwood Mac or like a Sting and the Police that, that put a lot of thought into lyrics and sound and, and complexity? Or is it all just cookie cutter now? Maybe I'm just hearing little bits and pieces. Maybe there are some bands out there that, and there probably are that I just don't have any any connection with, that that are doing that. But but I do find that that, and you hate to be the guy. Hey, get off my yard, guy that says it was you know so much better when I was was your age. You wave or, your cane at your daughter <laughs> when you. Don't play that Taylor Swift or my Or just the whole the whole mix of music they, that they listen to now. That somehow sometimes because I'm maybe not figuring out technology enough, sometimes her playlist spills over onto my phone, and so I hear something. I go, what is this? That is some of it. Just it, to me, it just seems like total uh, garbage. But. I understand there's a market for it. And yeah, but there, there just seems to be a, 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 a rushedness, just like with movies that look rushed and made. Yes. You know, like like, like somebody just didn't care. Exactly. You know, they're, they're throwing these special effects on the screen. Obviously, you know, hundreds of people spend a lot of time making the special effects, but in terms of like a plot, no, people were just rushing through. And I feel a lot of music today, maybe there's a lack of sort of master producers. They used to be those genius producers, right. I guess the sort of Phil Spector uh, stereotype or, uh, of, of somebody who just, or the, or the um, Colonel Tom, uh, was, was Tom Parker, uh, was it for Elvis, you know, that, who just had this a real sense of what, what fit the artist. It, and that's not going, Message in a Bottle, I think, is a great example of an incredibly, intricately, thoughtfully produced song. You know, and one of the and one of the versions of, that really got me into "Message in a Bottle" was the the, the acoustic version per, uh, performed live, be, because it's kind of a soulful song, and, and you think about it, and it has it, and it has a message that hey, you're going through a lot, but you know, there's hundreds and thousands of people that are living your same issues, and you know, you're not alone in, in what you're going through, and so uh, yeah, I think. Do you get that kind of thing today? And not, not that, again, I'm not sure that's going to be make anyone's greatest list of well-written songs, but uh, I, I think there's something to that that you probably don't get today. And I think a lot of that is just because of technology and everything else that we're going through. Everyone trying to get be first, trying to get things out. You can put something on YouTube. They can put something on your on your social media. And so you don't necessarily have, as again, that word coming back again, thoughtfulness that maybe you had back in, in the 70s, 80s. Yeah, and I don't even blame the artist because uh, there's, an, there's an artist today that I haven't heard much, but her name Shia, don't even know her. her. That's your daughter, and her her, I guess her thing is that she does not allow herself to be photographed okay. or vi- or videoed or something. And I've heard her interviewed, and I've heard some of her songs, and she is she's very talented. She's obviously very talented. Has an amazing voice, but her songs are incredibly, to my mind, my ear, repetitive. It's like there's not a lot of ri- variation or, or, or change within the song. And I'm thinking, you know, somebody, some master producer should have come in and taken that wonderful talent 
and tried to you know complexify and 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 develop it. And I'm just you know, then, hey, she's you know attractive and she can sing. Let's throw her up on stage and get it going. You know, right. in terms of, of you know pump out the music. Yeah, but now I guess there's a bit of a mystery to her, right? Since we don't yeah. just know what she looks like or who she. Well, she uh, yeah, I mean, or do I, you know I, what she looks she like? She doesn't now? wear a paper bag over her head. But I mean, she she you know she just has this. She yes. doesn't like to be. Uh, <laughs> she's not the unknown comic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, there we go. that's good to know. Mr. Bo Jangles by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, a very very heavily covered song. Yes, and that's a song that that was one of my mother's favorite songs, and not necessarily by the by the Dirt Band, but that's the the version that that I end up listening to the most. And you know, my mother passed away when I was fifteen, and so this is a song that you kind of listen to sometimes, and you go, okay, that kind of reminds you of a, of a better time in life, and that's why that song kind of is. That's why that song makes the list. Again, you know, I've heard different lots of different covers. You can when you, lo- you listen to it, that that one is the one that I. I own, actually own another one by Don McLean that somehow I stumbled into that I don't like really nearly as much. But I, li- I like the Dirt Band's version, and I think Soulful, and I think they they uh, put the proper amount of emotion into it. I, I just love the song. It's one, a song that has throughout my life been, been very important to me. I knew a man Bojangles and he danced for you In worn out shoes Silver hair and ragged shirt and baggy pants The old soft shoe He jumps so high He jumps so high And then he lightly touched down I met him in a sail in New Orleans I was Gabriel, Washing of the Water. That's a. Uh, I'm a huge uh, gen, old Genesis fan, the the early Genesis, and uh, so I, I followed uh, Peter Gabriel after he left the, left the band, and so he, he's got a lot of music again too. He's got uh, another really great uh, Peter Gabriel song. It's called Mercy Street, which is another good lyrical, thoughtful song that that I really like. That I kind of struggled with uh, to put on here or not because. Uh, there's so much of that that that's kind of meaningful to me. Washing the Water is a song that that came out, I believe, in the in the early '90s, and so I was familiar with it. It was it, on that on that album that it came out on. It wasn't even one of the uh, singles from the album, but I just heard it when it, when I had it had the uh, CD. 
again, I'm going to date myself back, that I want to actually purchase the CD. And I just loved the song. And it kind of stuck with me. And then early on, as I started my own business, I, I really, really struggling. We had we had lots of points where we, we struggled in our business. And uh, I heard that song one time just on, on a, a you know, flipping through. Again, this was pre uh iPod, just listening to it on a CD, and I, I popped it in and played it, and I thought it's just kind of a soulful song and, and a, a song that makes you think about what you're going through, and, and it's just kind of a helpful song to me. So I really like listening to it. I just actually uh, heard a uh, heard a uh, version of that where he sang it live with the um, I can't think of the guy's name now the, from Coldplay, Chris Martin, I believe, and and I thought oh, that song really kind of stands the test of time when, when it wasn't one of the popular songs. I, I'd get I'd encourage people to listen to it because it's just it's kind of a deep song and again it's another song you can probably give a lot of different meanings to the to the to the lyrics and so i re- i really uh it's it's really a meaningful song to me I'm 
Ely. Ely. Joe Ely. Boy, I, I, I actually have never heard anything by Joe Ely until until you told me. Well, about he's, it. A, he's a West Texas. He's a West Texas icon, Joe Ely. I've got to learn more about West Texas. Musta, nada, gotta, lada. <laughs> That's a, uh, it's Italian. Right? <laughs> it's kind of sounds, it, it kind of sounds Italian. There, growing up here, going to college here, there was a, a bar. I'm sure, I can't, I don't know how, uh, I, I don't know DG's age, so he may, not, he may or may not remember this place, but uh, called Fat Dogs. And it was over on 4th Street. And there's a great little restaurant next to it named The White Pig where you could get great food and shakes and things like that. And so I spent a lot of my formative years at Fat Dogs with my friends. And Joe Ely played there a lot. And Joe Ely has since he has reached a level of stardom that, that I think we kind of foresaw because a lot of times you see these groups and they're just bar bands. Joe Ely's very talented. He does lots of different things. Uh, he, I think I believe he's based out of Austin now. But there, Joe Ely's a guy. Uh, the, another group that I loved was called the Planets. That we would follow the Planets every time, and they were based out of Albuquerque. But they would come here to uh, Lubbock a lot, and the, and the Planets would also play this song. But I like the Joe Ely uh, version better. And uh, matter of fact, I just recently Joe Ely came back to play last year when we had Garrison Keeler from the radio station, Garrison Keeler came in town and, and he and he was a huge fan of, of uh, Joey Lee and the Flatlanders. And so Joey Lee, Butch Hancock, Jimmy Gilmore came to play. And so I got to get my picture taken with Joey Lee and it was a huge deal for me because you know he's not a he's not a huge national icon, but he's known all over for you know great guitar player, great he's just a great performer. And must not have got a lot of Sleep Last Night is just a, a song that, that kind of reminds me of my college days with some great friends and going to listen to these guys and uh, um, just really some good times. And uh, and again, that's a song to me that has kind of uh, stood the test of time. Every time I hear it now, I think that, that I like that song every bit as much now as when I first heard Joe Ely play it. Hey, please understand me. Everything's all right. I just must not have got a lot of sleep last night. I'm flying out of Riverside Drive, rocking to the radio man alive. Stopping to a joint, bought around the booze. Hot dog, I got a buzz in my shoe. Well, please understand me, everything's alright. I must have not have got a lot of sleep last night. Writing you a letter as late in the night Sitting in a cabin, honey, eating a pie Telling you about where all I've been Hot dog, I'm gone again Well, please understand me, everything's all right I must not have got a lot of sleep last night 
your last song for us is the Red Hot Chili Peppers' "Tell Me Baby." It's kind of my outlier, right? That's not. That's probably the what's the outlier on that? And that's a that's another song recommended to me by a, a very dear friend um, a couple years ago. Just to, when you listen to it, and it's kind of a song when you when you're thinking about when you kind of get overwhelmed with life's foilables and just your day-to-day things it's it's kind of a fun song it's a upbeat song it's it's just a song and i'm not really a huge chili pepper fan if you watch most of their music i, I mean that wouldn't be something i'd spend a lot of time uh, uh listening to but that's a song for me that that if i'm down a little bit or i, I need just kind of a pick me up like i said i'll play that uh, tell me baby by, by the chili peppers and, and it, it reminds me of a lot of the things i've got going for me and uh, so it's a song, really, that, that I find to be a bit of an inspirational song. Well, Robert, thank you very much for joining us today. I think you've, you've spent uh, your, your still young life uh, uh, <laughs> making things better for everybody else in, in West Texas, and you provided so much enjoyment, but also clarification. I, I think of you as a clarification guy because, I, you know, you, you explain sports to us. You right. explain music to us. You, explain, <laughs> you, you know, you, you're great in the classroom, and, and we're very grateful for – and I hope West Texas keeps you. I, I know Hillary Duff is negotiating right now for you to be her producer, right? Is yes, that, is that, that's I, exactly. I, I can I think say that. Now, I might go know. on the road with Hillary. I yeah. think that would be good. And she's got a sister yeah. who actually opened for her that's even less talented than she is, and that that so I think they might have some might have an opening for me. It's you know, hard to be the the brother or sister. I think Oprah had a show once where they had the brothers oh. of like Patrick Swayze and Sylvester Stallone, and they all look like, well, gee, somebody got more oxygen in the womb. You know, they're all like somewhat, you know, Aren't you, shrunken versions of Isn't that the, funny sometimes yeah, when you watch yeah. that and you say... And, and well, you, growing up with a star, you know, because the kids who were stars later probably were, you know, sort of stars at home, too. Right. And, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon when you look at it. You know, you mentioned... West Texas, and it's one of those things that I grew. When I was going to college here, uh, I had a. It, I was really affected by by the the death of my mother when I when I got in, out of high school and into college, and so I, I academics was not a big thing for me early on in college. And then as I kind of got serious about it and, and got out, you know, I had every intention of I'm going to get away from this place. I'm going to do some things, and it just so happened, just through career choices, that uh, not through any particular wanting to to stay here is that I stayed here and so it's something that I'm glad I did now because it's a great place I've obviously got family here and uh, I love Texas Tech I love the students here at Texas Tech and so it's worked out well for me well it's worked out well for us too thank you very much Robert Jovanet thank you for having me Are you love-